All right, good morning. Good to see everybody here. Welcome to uh, those who are online with us today. A couple things I want to go over uh, before we get started. So our Christmas Eve Eve service, we talked a little bit about it um, last week. It's an opportunity here at Life Church where we say very specifically we want you to be praying about and thinking about who you can invite uh, to that opportunity. It's a, a place for people to get to know Life Church, but it's an also a time for us to be able to share the gospel. So if you know somebody that, that's hurting or you know somebody that uh, needs to hear that message, we'll be sharing that on Eve Eve, and it's also a great time for your family to come together uh, and create a tradition uh, that we do here at church on Eve Eve. Now, the one thing that you might not know about is our online church. Um, so if you've just started coming to life, you might have not have known, but we have, even before uh, COVID ever hit, you know, online church is kind of a, everybody does it now because of COVID, and so everybody kind of puts it out there, and they use it a lot of times as an in-between. All right, let's do something in between before everybody can get back together. Our vision was, even before COVID, we want to create an online church. We want an opportunity for people who are checking out church or checking out Jesus to have an opportunity before they came in the door to be able to see what it's all about. Um, and that goes with our whole vision of trying to reach a younger generation. We think a younger generation of people will go online and investigate first before they'll ever come in the door. And it's somewhat normal for young kids to watch things through screens, right, which seems very odd to me. But for kids, it seems like very normal to go online and watch something and feel like they're a part of that. So for people who are a part of our online church, we don't want them to miss out on Eve Eve on the things that we do. So if you are online or you think that on Eve Eve you're not going to be able to be here, uh, the team has put together for you these bags, okay? So inside of these bags will be the things for our Eve Eve service, which one of our traditions is singing Silent Night and lighting uh, candles. And they're even thoughtful enough, if you can't find a lighter, you're going to have matches to be able to light uh, your candle. And then also inside of this is make sure if you need a little hot chocolate. So as you're watching online, you need a little bit of hot chocolate. And I almost ate this before the service because I was like, <laughs> actually looks pretty good. But you'll have a cookie and hot chocolate, but an opportunity for them to participate with us just like they're being here. Uh, because again, for us, um, our online church is not just an afterthought to get us through COVID. It's an opportunity for us to share the gospel, an opportunity for us to reach people that we would never be able to reach inside of these four walls. And um, if you know anything about our online, it is reaching a lot of people. And it's not just in the Huntington community. It's reaching out uh, in a lot of different ways. So we want to continue to support what's going on with that. All right, so... Fill out a form. If you're going to be on there, there'll be a form for you to fill out. I've already forgot what you said. Where do they fill out the form? Okay, so online or the app, you can fill it out either one of those places. And you got to let us know if you have kids because your kids' bag will be different than your adult bag. So how many adults, how many kids, there'll be activities for both of them for the EV service. So just fill it out, let us know. If you're like me and you can't ever figure out technology, just talk to somebody here and they'll help you get it figured out because... 
yeah, if I was going online or on the app, I'd do the best I can, but sometimes it doesn't work uh, for me, at least to try to figure it out. So anyway, if you can't get it figured out, find one of us, see Jennifer, and she'll be able to get you hooked up uh, that way. All right, so we're in our new series called Travel Light, um, and very specifically, at the end of the year and the first of the year, uh, we're very intentional about, not that we're not always intentional about what we're preaching about, but really intentional about what we're preaching about leading up to Christmas and after the first of the year because we think for a lot of people, this is a time where you're saying, I need to look back. How was my year? What do I need to do differently? Like, is there something over in 2020 that I need to do differently? So I think for a lot of people, it's an opportunity to look back and evaluate. Um, And so our Travel Light series is to help with your evaluation. Right, so what are some things that possibly you need to change? And then when we move into 2021, it's like we've evaluated, here's some things that need to be changed, and here's where I want to be in the future. Like here's how to get there uh, in some of those places. So the Travel Light series is based upon this idea. This is not your home. Now, (laughs) that preach is good, right? Like, you hear preachers talk about that all the time. They get up and be like, this is not your home, you know, and live as if you're just passing through. But how easy is that really? You know, when you think about it, how easy is it to not get caught up in the idea that everything that we do on this earth is for the time that we have on this earth? Even when you're thinking about, I know this isn't my home, but... I know this isn't my home, but Monday's happening, right? And Monday has a lot going on, and I need to get it done. And Tuesday's happening, and the kids are doing this, and, you know, the, like, people still need to get paid, right? There's still bills, and there's still house payments, and there's still everything that goes with it. So at times, the message of this isn't your home is good on a Sunday morning, hard to apply on a Monday morning, right? And so for us, we want to go through what does it look like for each one of us to understand what it means to travel light and what does it mean to let go of that stuff. You know, Scripture tells us that our life is like running a race, right? That's what Scripture tells us. It's like there's a prize at the end, run the race, finish well, and in that, he says, get rid of the stuff that's weighing you down, right? So in the race, just like all of us, like I don't think anybody going out there to run a 100-meter dash to actually win would wear a backpack, or a rucksack, or any of those things that go with that, right? Like, nobody would do that. They would get down to as light as they could so that they could be able to win the race. Well, that's the whole idea that in the Travel Light series, we're going to help you figure out how do we get to the place where we let go of the things, and there are going to be multiple different things we're going to talk about, but how do we let go of the things that are weighing us down, and how do we get to the point of We can live without all of the baggage that goes in life, and we can try to apply. This is not our home, and we want to live um, for what's to come someday. Now, today is about your stuff and my stuff, right? Now, what's funny is is when I was preparing this message a couple weeks ago, and I was thinking about this whole idea, like I got to evaluate the stuff that I have. Like, you never really think how much stuff you have until you move or until you try to organize it. Anybody with me? Right? Like, you never really think about it. Like, it all ends up in the closet, you know, and then, like, Sherry's decorating for, Sherry's, like, decorated before Thanksgiving for Christmas, you know, and all that stuff's in that one closet. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's with all of the stuff, and then you open it up, and you're like, what the world happened? I mean, 
what is all this stuff? Like, if we had this forever, you know, and there's just tubs and boxes, and you have to move this box to get to that box, and then, you know, the trees, because you only use them once a year, behind the three other things that you only use once a year, too, but this was the last thing that you used once a year, so it's all piled up behind it, right? So you think about this whole idea of, we have all this stuff. Now, the question is, how do you end up with all of it? You know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't think we planned on building closets to store more things. You know, it's funny, when we were thinking about, you know, selling the sow farm, we were talking about, what are things we need to invest into? You know one of the hottest investment things right now? Storage units. You know that? Like, if you invest into storage units, that's one of the things they tell you. Like, if you invest into storage units, I'm like, people use storage units? Like, I didn't know that. I mean, we just build more closets or barns, but everybody, I mean, they're like storage units. If you don't have enough room for it, you go, you know, get this thing. And they're like, oh, yeah, you can't have enough of them. Like, people have storage units all the time. And, and so in that, I'm thinking, how do you accumulate? How do you get to that place? Well, one of the things we need to recognize is this has been a problem from the beginning. So if you go back to the creation story, so here's Adam and Eve. So think about this. So God created a perfect place for them, right? Beautiful garden. You know, all of their needs met. They just get a fellowship with God, be fruitful, multiply. Heck, they got to walk around naked. Like, they didn't even have to wear clothes. I mean, what could be better than that? Well, I think it would be good. You know what I mean? Like, I think that would be awesome. Like, you wouldn't have to worry about any of those things. Would be, And they could fellowship. They could walk. They didn't have to, again, they didn't have to go out and raise their food. Their food was right there, and God just said, there's just one thing, like this tree in the middle, just don't worry about it. You don't need, don't eat from it. Just leave it there. Satan's first temptation came when he said, I know you have it all, but don't you want a little bit more? Right? The first temptation was, God's given you everything. Except for, do you know, you really need this. And so he convinces them, even though God has given you everything, you still don't have it all. And then the desire, the human nature, which is inside of each one of us, seems like it doesn't matter what we have, we still want more. And then we think, I, this is how I see it, like you think if you're going to get to these certain levels, somebody else ever been here, like when I get to this level, I won't need anything. And then you're like, but now that I have this, I need just this to help with this, and then once you have this, I need two more things to help with this because this is a lot bigger than what I had before, and like the this is just keep growing to take care of the things in the past, right? It just keeps going and going and going, and it seems like that finish line of stuff is never attainable. Like you just always want more. So human nature would tell us that we have to fight against it. So your natural human nature inside of you will be reaching for a finish line that you're never going to achieve. That's just human nature. You're always going to think that if you just had a little bit more, you'd have a little bit more peace. If you just had a little bit more money, if you just had a little bit more time, if you just had a little bit more, and you're always going to be striving for it, you're never going to reach it. Human nature, Satan's going to be tempting you. So what do you do to fight against it? Right, so that's what we're going to talk about today. How do we fight against this idea that we need more? So in Ecclesiastics, so just to give you a little heads up, so today's message and the travel life message, we're not just focusing on one scripture. We're going to talk about multiple ones, which is a little bit different than what we've done in the past. So 
In the past, I've told you, like, go to that scripture, underline everything. So here, I would tell you, this, like, if you can keep up, you know, keep going to them or write them down and be able to go back to them because there's going to be multiple scriptures that we're going to be talking about. The first one is in Ecclesiastes. So Ecclesiastes 4, 6, this is what it says. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. So right from the beginning... Right? There's this idea or this statement that would say, if you get two handfuls, you're probably not going to live a life of tranquility. Right? So they start this concept of what does one handful living mean? Right? Because part of the problem with today's messages is that we've had people walk out of it and be like, so am I just supposed to get rid of everything? Like, am I not supposed to have a business and grow it? Am I not supposed to, you know, be an entrepreneur? Am I not supposed to be? And I'm like, that's not it at all. We just got to figure out one handful, not two, right? It's one handful living and not two. In fact, Jesus warns and gives an example that, that uh, should help us understand this. So this is in Luke 12, 13 through 21. Now, this is a parable. So remember, parables are stories, and the stories are to be able to do a couple different things. Bring it back to real life, right? So apply it to uh, what people then would understand and hopefully what we could understand. Then the other part of a parable is find yourself in it, right? Find Jesus in it, find yourself in it, and ask yourself your question, where do I land in this? So this is Luke 12, 13 through 21. It's the parable of the rich, rich fool, sorry. <laughs> Verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, if you've never been a part of this, so I've seen this a lot when I'm dealing with families, is, is that there's the funeral and then there's the aftermath. And I know nobody wants to talk about the aftermath, but you know what the aftermath is. So everybody's there in a funeral and you're mourning the people and then there's stuff to divide up. And the more stuff there is to divide up at times, believe me, it gets just a little bit ugly. I don't know if you've ever experienced it before or watched it happen before, but I've watched families that will mourn together at a funeral and want to shoot each other afterwards in the next two weeks because they can't agree on getting rid of all of the stuff, right? So this is where this is at, right? So now they're mad. Hey, somebody else, because he doesn't, he doesn't feel like he's being treated fairly, like he doesn't get his thing. Because I'm sure he was like a lot of us when you think about an inheritance. Man, once I get my inheritance, it'll all be perfect, right? Now all of a sudden, that person dies, and you're not getting what you thought you were getting, and now he's upset. So bring in a mediator. Somebody make sure I get my fair share. So he's saying, you know, divide up uh, the stuff. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said, and now this is the warning, okay? The warning inside of the parable, and for us to recognize this, is the warning not only to them, but a warning to us. He says, then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Watch out, because greed is a real thing. And maybe we need to make sure we understand what is greed. Because greed isn't just money, right? So greed, when talked about in Scripture, isn't something that's just saying somebody who is a lover of money. It's not just somebody who wants more money. Greed, scripturally, is talked about someone who lives a selfish life. 
Someone who says, life is about me or life is about, you know, the, the things that I want. And when I make my decisions, I make my decisions completely based upon me, right? That is greed, but do you realize that is a lot of real life today? Like when you make your decisions, because Scripture is going to tell us that if we make our decisions, our decisions should be made through the lens of a Christian worldview, not through the lens of selfish motives, right? Like that's what it says. I mean, Scripture tells us when you get ready to make decisions, don't make decisions, and I tell people this all the time, don't make decisions on how many kids you have based upon a selfish worldview. Make it through a Christian worldview. When you decide what you're going to do in your job, don't make it through a selfish worldview. Make it through a Christian worldview. When you decide what you're going to do, you see what I'm saying? Like whatever those things are, we usually turn it back to what would be best for me or what would be best for my family type of a thing. Like, but you're thinking about a very narrow view because it's not about what's best for you or your family. You know, that's not always what people want to hear. It's what's best for the kingdom of God, right? I mean, that's why you're still here, isn't it? I mean, we're all still on this earth to affect the kingdom of God. So it's best on what's happened in the kingdom of God. And in that, he will bless you. And in that, he will bless your family. That's how it works. But if you flip the script and try to make it about you, he doesn't, doesn't work. That's why he says be on guard because it's going to be something that's natural. You're going to want to make those decisions through a selfish worldview. Then he said, and he told them this, is this parable. So here's where the parable comes in. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat drink, and be merry. In this, Jesus is trying to, to highlight what I call living for the someday mindset. Has anybody ever done that? Like someday when I get this, I will be able to do this. It's like one or two people, but I mean, I, this was me in the beginning. Like I decided when I got out of uh, uh, high school and Cherry made me go to college, you know, so then I went to college and afterwards I'm like, I want to be a millionaire before I'm 40 years old. Kind of a weird thing, I think, to think about then, but I mean, I read books and I, you know, and so everybody was talking about the someday. So when you get to 40, these things are need to happen and you put all these things together. In fact, I came to a place where even when I gave my life to Christ, I felt like God called me into full-time ministry, and I'm like, I don't want to be a pastor. They're all poor. Their kids are crazy. You know, like, I don't want crazy kids, or I don't really want to be poor, you know? And so I'm like, can I do both? Can I have what I want and still be able to do ministry inside of that? And so I was living with this one-day mindset, I'll have enough money, and then I won't have to get paid to do ministry, and I'll be able to, you know, work for free for God. And then do you remember when I told you my mom died when she was 51 years old, and I realized you don't always get that someday? <laughs> like someday might never come. Have you ever heard those conversations when we feel like somebody dies early and you sit around a table? I can remember my dad talking about... The kids were just out of the house, and we were just getting to the point where we could enjoy each other. 
and we worked our entire life to get to this place, and now someday's never going to be here. Because do you realize someday might never come? Right? So he's trying to tell you, like, listen, this guy had a great harvest, and he's going to plan it all out to store up for years and be ready for the someday when he can be ready. But listen to what happens. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be uh, demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This, will be, this is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. We don't always get someday. Right? You can talk about if I store up and I do and I have all these plans because I talk to people all the time. They have all these plans for the future. And I'm like, don't let your plans for the future overtake your being in the moment of today of where God wants you to be. Because today, God's speaking to you and wants you to do something with today. Don't waste today thinking about tomorrow because you might not get tomorrow. And he says that's what, that's what happens in the world is we become very foolish in the way that we live. Because at the end of the day, when we're gone, all of those things that you worked for, all those things that you put time in, one of my mentors said this to me, here's what you need to realize. At the end, you got to decide whether or not you invested all your, all your time and effort into things that burn up or things that are going to be eternal. And at the time, I was investing a lot of stuff that just burns at the end. That really isn't going to mean anything in the end. Right? So I had to really focus on because and be reminded that someday might never come. So I'm going to give you three things, right? So three things that possibly we could all implement inside of our life if we want to implement this whole idea of one handful living, okay? So how do we get to the place where we have one handful living? This is the first thing. Maybe we should all throw some stuff out, okay? I thought about that as we were looking for Christmas trees, you know, or I thought about that when I was, you know, evaluating how many closets we have full of things that we never really use. You know, this whole idea is, should we in life simplify? And I don't know what that is for each person. You know, I think each person is different in the things that they do. But I think for a lot of us, we've got to, to recognize this idea that possibly the things got more attention than, and has shifted our attention off of what should be more important, okay? Because remember this, is having stuff wrong. Is having a lot of stuff wrong. No, it's only when the stuff has you. Does that make sense? It's not wrong to have things. It's not wrong to, to, to enjoy the blessings of God, right? Like God blesses his people. Not wrong to enjoy the blessings that he's given us. So I don't want anybody to walk out of here and be like, oh my gosh, I got this and you know, I just bought a new truck. Am I supposed to sell it? No. Just make sure your new truck don't have you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just make sure whatever those blessings that God has given you, don't overtake you. Don't let your stuff take the attention that you should have in your life. So in the, uh, another scripture, Matthew 19, 16 through 22, it talks about this idea. What happens when your stuff gets you, right? And so this is another parable, another story, and this parable is called the, uh, the rich in the kingdom of God, right? 
So verse 16, it starts like this. It says, just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Which I always think is funny when you read this in scripture, because I hear this in a lot of people's voices at times when they talk to me. Am I doing enough? You know, am I doing the right thing? Have I checked the right boxes? You know, am I going to be right when it comes to the end of life? And so this is what this guy was doing. He was like, okay, I've thought about eternity because it takes a little bit to even get there. Like you think about what's going to happen after you die. So he finally got there and he'd be like, did I check the right boxes off? So he's coming up to Jesus and saying, I want to make sure all the boxes are checked. I want to make sure that I'm doing all the things that I need to be able to do to be able to inherit eternal life. Jesus replies to him, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. If you want to enter, uh, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones he inquired? Jesus replied, you should not murder, you should not commit adultery, you should not steal, you should not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. And the guy's thinking, ding, 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 ding. Like, I got all those, right? Like, life is good because I checked it all off. I've done all the things that, that he's called me to do. And he says, all these things I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? Verse 21, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. You ever notice what's cool about Jesus? Like, he doesn't tell everybody to sell their possessions. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus dealt with a lot of people that had a lot of possessions, and he didn't tell everybody to sell their possessions, which is the unique part, I think, about the message that Jesus gives. Jesus never condemns people for having things, Right? He never tells everybody to live in poverty. Like some people want to twist this message to be like, well, you know what you should do is you should just sell everything and, and live in a, you know, this minimalist mindset and, and, and don't have anything because having stuff is the, you know, from the devil. He never says that to other people. He only says it to the people that need to hear it, right? And it's funny, this guy must have needed to hear it, right? Because you remember when I said stuff isn't bad until stuff has you? So he said, hey, just sell all of your stuff. You know, just like he would say to all of us, grow your businesses, grow your financial portfolio, grow everything that you have, just live with it in open hands, not closed hands. So when he tells you to sell it, sell it. When he tells you to give it, give it. When he tells you to bless somebody, bless somebody. If you live with open hands, what really matters? Why wouldn't God bless you if your hands are open? The problem is when your hands become closed. And he calls you to give, and you're like, I can't because scarcity mindset. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like he tells you to bless someone, and you're like, but what happens if I run out? Anybody else ever been there before? Like he's called you to go help somebody, and you're like, you know, but have you seen my, have you seen my bank account? Have you seen my savings account? Have you seen my emergency fund? Like it's depleted. But he's saying, who are you trusting in? at the end of the day. If you live with open hands, having stuff isn't a big deal. What do you think happened to this guy? Did he live with open hands? Well, this is the way he responded. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. You see, I don't think people are willing to throw things away because at times we live out of fear. But I think it's hard to throw out things because what if you need it later? 
Like, this is funny. Like, when I talk to people, like, I'm going to throw everything away. Like, you might be surprised seeing that if you walk through any of my barns. But if I had a choice, I'd throw anything away. You know, I'm like, do you really need to keep that on the shelf? Just throw it away. When we need another one, just buy another one. Like, I hate all this junk laying around. You know, other people are like, but, you know. And have you ever seen when you talk to somebody, like, they've had that thing on the shelf for, like, 15 years for the one time they might need it? And then they pull it off the shelf and it doesn't work. <laughs> Which I just think is funny. They don't think it's very funny, but I think it's hilarious. Like, you kept that thing on your shelf for all that time. But you have this fear, and I'm, not, and I'm just making light of, like, little things like that. But do you realize part of the reason that people don't get to the place where they can throw things out is because there's this huge fear, right? People have this fear, like, I don't know if I give away, they're living with the scarcity mindset that God will provide for me or God will give to me. So we have to be able to learn to throw out and we have to be able to learn to trust God for the things uh, in the future. The next one is this, to buy less. So we, as people, should think through our buying habits, right? Now, I've been reading some books in preparation for the Travel Light series, you know, and so one of the books I was reading was talking about this mindset of people that buy things. Now, the funny thing is, is like all these things are way like, wow, I didn't know that was true. Because somebody asked me the other day, and I'm not exactly sure if this was an insult or not, but they were like, do you buy your own clothes? (laughs) I'm like, I'm not exactly sure how to take that, you know, if you don't like my wardrobe or kind of what, what's going on. I'm like, no, I actually don't buy anything. Like, I don't buy any of my clothes. In fact, I do buy work clothes. But when it comes to everything else that I wear, I just look in the closet and I'll be like, wow, that's a new one. I'll just take the tags off and wear that one because it's not wrinkly. You know, the other stuff, it's like my choice of a wardrobe is, is what's clean and what's not wrinkled right? So I don't buy anything. I I don't go to the store and shop. In this book, it talks about people who shop for comfort. It says 62% of people who go shopping don't shop out of need, but shop out of comfort. Like something just makes them happy, right? Like you just go out and like, that was a lot of fun. I'm thinking, what in the world? Like, how could it be fun to just walk around, you know, and look at things and you know, be like going through all of the, like, don't you just walk in there and grab the sucker and get out? You know, what fun is there in just flipping through things? That's why when we go on vacation and and everybody goes shopping, I sit on the benches outside of the store and watch people because I can't stand going in there and be like, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? I'm like, I don't really care. I don't know if that's being a bad husband or not, but there's you hold it up. What do you think of this thing? And I'm like, I don't know. It wouldn't make me any difference, you know, whatever you think, honey, you know, so I'm just like, it's way better, because the other thing it brings is anxiety as that, you know how they carry the things like over their arm, and that, anybody else do that? Like when you go to the store, you keep flipping things over, and I'm like, that thing's getting big, like that pile is large, and I don't know how much of that's actually getting ran through, but that's just giving me anxiety, so I'll just go watch people, which is way funner. You know, I'll just sit outside of the stores and be watched. But 62% of people, right, do it or buy things not out of necessity, but out of just comfort. Same concept, like when you go to the grocery store, you don't go to the grocery store to just buy food that you need, but you go to the store to buy things that are more comfort food than it is a necessity food. Does anybody do this? 
Like when you go there, you're, because I don't go to the grocery either. Like when Sherry sends me the grocery, it's a list, and I curse every time that I go. I don't really, maybe I curse in my head. I'm just thinking. Anyway, I can't find anything because I'm never in the store. So she gives me this list, and I go through, and I'm like, I have no idea what aisle this is in. You know, and I'm walking through, and now that everybody has a mask on, I'm not asking them either. You know, so I'm like, I'm just going to walk around for 45 minutes to find 10 things inside of the store. But the idea is they're saying people don't just go in with a list. People go in with like, oh, this looks good. And isn't it funny, like I learned this, that grocery stores put things in certain places to tempt you into buying them. Like the Oreos and the chips are in a certain place so that you can make sure when you're walking to the back because you need milk and eggs, you're going to walk by the Oreos and the chips before you ever get there. And then I always said this, the people that put that stuff right by the aisles when you have kids, when you're ready to check out, and they're trying to grab it off of there, and like, daddy, 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 I'm like, who put these things here? Right, because you don't need any of it, right, all the stuff that's right there. But the idea is we should probably think about our buying habits because we should not buy out of just, you know, uh, spontaneity, but we should buy out of need. Psalms 119.36 says this. Turn my heart towards your statues and not towards selfish gain. Verse 37, turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. So he's saying, turn your eyes away from things that are not helpful for you and the way that you spend your money in the future. Turn your eyes away from that and put it on things that matter. Now, share with you just a little bit of my own story. So I'm not one who really likes to go on vacation. You know, I don't really like to spend money except it's on the things that I want, you know, type of a thing, you know, because everybody's that way because everybody's like, wow, he's a tightwad. I'm like, he's not a tightwad when he wants to buy this. You know what I'm saying? Everybody has their thing, but at the end of the day, Sherry is a big go-on-vacation type of person. So we decided a long time ago, we're not going to buy Christmas presents. We're just going to go on vacation. So for years, you know, over Christmas, we've always left and went somewhere. Ski trips, Florida, whatever that stuff is. And in the beginning, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, i got to find somebody to work for me when I'm gone. i got to do all these things. But if you go back right now and you talk to our kids about the most memorable things they have in their life, it's not about their Christmas presents. It's about the experience they had together. You know what I'm saying? And it, that's what they talk about. They don't really talk about things. They talk about experiences. And so when we're talking about spending money, like this idea of spending on money on things that last forever, there's no problem, I don't think, when you spend your money if it's about experiences that are going to grow relationships and not just buy things that are going to end up in the trash someday or on your shelf someday. So when we think about what we purchase, think about purchasing things that can grow experiences in relationship and not just things that have to end up on the shelf. Here's the last one. We need to give more. So we need to be able to throw out, we need to be able to, you know, spend less, right? And we need to be able to give more. So 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, Paul gives in, to Timothy this idea of what it means to be a giving person. Verse 17 says, command those who are rich in the present world. Now, real quick, because I know we're, we're running long on time, but real quick, biblical definition of rich because there's a different in the biblical definition of rich than the worldly definition of rich. Because most people in this room would say, I'm not rich. Biblical definition of rich is if you have more than what you need, you are considered rich. 
Okay, so if anybody's sitting in this room and you have an excess of anything, he's saying, command those who are rich, so anybody that has more than what they need, this is what he says. Don't be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God, who richly provides for us with everything for our enjoyment. So again, listen to what he's talking about. Is it okay to have stuff? Is it okay to enjoy your stuff? Yeah, absolutely. That's what he's trying to say. So don't get caught up in that you can't have stuff. He's saying, listen, you, you can enjoy the things that God's given you and God's blessed you with, so don't miss that. But verse 18 says, command them, not suggest. This is important. There's a difference between a suggested way of living and a commanded way of living, right? He says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. If they do this, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they, will, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So the band's going to come back up. I'm going to give you a couple things to think about. Why is it, so if you think about travel light, right, and you think about this idea of the concept of what God's trying to teach us through this or what Jesus was trying to teach us through this. Why is it so hard? So why is it when it comes to being a giving person? Why is it that it comes to being a generous person? Why is it so difficult when it comes to our stuff? Well, here's why. I think we've grown up in a world that, that promotes a scarcity mindset. Like, I think we live in a world that has promoted this idea, store up because you might run out, right? Like, make sure you have enough, because if you don't have enough, then you might run out, which, this is what I always challenge people to think through. If you've taken care of it all yourself, do you even need faith in God? I mean, do you ever think through that? Like, if you live in this scarcity mindset, which would tell you, do all you can so that you can store up all you can, so that you can make sure that you never run out, where do you need God? How does God show himself faithful to somebody who needs nothing? Right? Is this making any sense? Because this is hard. Like, I get it. I'm the same way. I'm always looking at it like, oh, man, I got to make sure I do enough. I got to make sure we're prepared. I got to make sure I take care of my family. I got to make sure that I do all that. And I'm not telling you not to do that. The question is, is that are we living with a scarcity mindset? And are we taking faith out of it? Because if you live with a scarcity mindset, then I think for all of us, we're going to live in a way where we're not going to be able to experience faith. So I got a question that I want to give to you to think about. As, as we go out today. Here's the question. Are you accumulating on earth what you cannot keep? Or are you investing into the things of God which you cannot lose? So, are you accumulating on this earth? Because we all know this, right? You came in naked, you're going out naked. All the stuff that you accumulate on this earth... Right? All of the things that you have, it's all going to be gone someday, or people are going to fight over it, <laughs> or it's going to get divided up. 
right? It's all going to be gone, all that that you invested into. Or are you investing into things that will last forever, things that will never go away? And I just want to tell you, like, I've experienced this a lot and was reminded of it again this last week. We don't always get someday. Right? Death has a way of reminding us of that when you lose people that you love. Death has a way of reminding us that you don't always get tomorrow. People at the end of their life, do you know what they want to be surrounded by? People. Not things. They don't want to gather up all their stuff. They don't want somebody to bring in a list of all of the things that they've accomplished and done and all the, you know, their business transactions. You know what they want around their bed at the last moments of their life? The only thing that lasts forever. People. And so the question is, and I always ask myself the same question, at the end of my life, if you've invested well, we saw that in Troy's funeral this week, right? If you've invested well, many people will come. Many people. Because the influence grows exponentially when you invest in the right things. And Troy is a perfect example of it's never too late. Right? It's never too late to do the right thing. So will you stand so I can pray for you? Heavenly Father, we come to you today understanding that the human nature wants us to keep piling on more. But you've reminded us today that we're running a race towards a prize, and you're telling us to evaluate what we're carrying. And each week, we're going to look at different things that we have taken on as burdens that are unnecessarily a part of our journey. So Lord, today let each one of us evaluate our own lives. Let each one of us realize those things that are burdening us, those things that are keeping us from being able to live the life that you've called each one of us to live. And not just evaluate it, but get rid of it, shed it, get ready and do what matters most. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
go through this uh, Christmas season and through this series, Travel Light, I think for all of us, it's a great time to just allow God to evaluate our life. You know what I mean? I think it's good for all of us to go home and think, you know, where am I with all of these things? But I think it's better for us to say, allow and, and allow God to evaluate it with us, to be able for him to see our lives for what it really is and not only see it, but allow us to make change and to live and to travel light and, and again, treat this earth as it is, as it is not our home. So thanks for being here with us this week. Thanks for being online and we look forward to seeing you guys again next week.